Hey, welcome back to Zoomer HQ episode 3. Zoomer HQ weekly episode 3. Uh, I'm very excited to be back. This is things I've been looking forward to this weekend, given the, the recent news that we've uh, all seen, I'm sure. So this week, I want to start with discussing... Um, the topic will be the rise of authoritarianism across the globe, obviously, and more particularly in the United States, because that, when when it strikes, you know, we could we could talk about, you know, China and Russia and all these other countries that we know are authoritarian, and they've been doing this, you know, they have a history of, of authoritarianism and totalitarianism and of very much uh, lack of freedom when it comes to individual rights. Um, but, you know, given... We, last week we talked about COVID statistics in depth, and the reason I wanted to do the rise of authoritarianism is because it is related to COVID-19. Obviously, you've seen lockdowns, you've seen rights taken away in the name of public health, um, and the biggest thing that I want to say is that you may believe these things, these causes, are right. However, you can't give the government... There is a history of giving the government power in crises like this. And, you know, you can't expect the government to give, to give that power back. You can't... Once, once a government grows, there's very little historical circumstances when the, the government, you know, decreases in size, it's always growing, and there's all this bloat, and it never, very rarely, I should say, does it ever contract. So, that's the biggest problem I want to focus on, is you may say that, in terms of coronavirus you may say that oh we needed the lockdowns we i needed to be told by the government that my rights to go do whatever i want whenever i want within reason obviously in the u.s at least and in other countries which is just it's it's not good you know you may believe that it was a good cause it was for public health for protecting everybody but in hindsight you can't do that because like i said the government, they take this power, stories this week will prove this, they take it and they they keep using it. They don't give it back. They don't they don't care. Um across across the world, different countries, it's not just the US. And that's what's scary, is that it's universal. There's no countries that except for maybe Sweden, that's the only one that comes to mind offhand. Sweden was the only country to not lock down last year and at the time you know everybody was scared everybody knew what was going on and people were mad at sweden so you know it is um something to keep in mind that when you look at history as you can see here if you trust the government you don't know history you don't 
want to give governments and and people people who are in government generally want power especially heads of state they want the power they once you give them more power they will not give it up in most circumstances the united states has been luckily uh, a beacon of that a beacon of peaceful transition of power but it's not even just a transition of power it's you know the the legislature at this point in the u.s does nothing it's just you know mandates it's executive orders and that's not a good thing so the first thing i want to get into is the difference between authoritarianism totalitarianism fascism so i have this article for you know um site pulled up here it's called thought co so we have totalitarianism authoritarianism and fascism so we're just going to go briefly through uh this this website and we're going to look at what they say so totalitarianism authoritarianism and fascism are all forms of government defining different forms of government isn't as easy as it might, as it might seem all nations have an official type of government as designated in the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency's World Factbook. However, a nation's own description of its form of government can often be less objective. For example, while the former Soviet Union declared itself a democracy, its elections were not free and fair. As only one party with state-approved candidates was represented. The USSR is more correctly classified as a socialist republic. In addition, the boundaries between various forms of government can be fluid or poorly defined, often with overlapping characteristics, such as the case with totalitarianism, authoritarianism, and fascism. So, we start with totalitarianism. According to Russian history expert and author Richard Pipes, fascist Italian Prime Minister Benito Mussolini once summarized the basis of totalitarianism as everything within the state, nothing outside the state, nothing against the state. Examples of characteristics might, that might be present in a totalitarian state include rule enforced by a dictator, presence of a single ruling party, strict censorship if not total control of the press, constant dissemination of pro-government propaganda, mandatory service in the military for all citizens, mandatory population control practices, Prohibition of certain religious or political groups and practices. Prohibition of any form of public criticism of the government, laws enforced by secret police forces or the military. Now, typically the characteristics of a totalitarian state tend to cause people to fear their government. Rather than trying to allay that fear, totalitarian rulers encourage it and use it to ensure the people's cooperation. Early examples of states Totalitarian states include Germany under Adolf Hitler, Italy under Benito Mussolini. More example, more recent examples include Iraq under Saddam Hussein and North Korea under Kim Jong Un. So, basically, totalitarianism uses fear. Fear is not always the best use of control. I have read 
1984, I'm sure you have too. And 1984 is basically a totalitarian state. Uh, the main character, Winston, I believe is the main character's name. It's been a couple years since I've read it, but I believe the main character's name is Winston. He is in constant... Every, every citizen is under constant surveillance. Um, I believe his job is to rewrite history. So they control everything. And they keep you in fear. You are afraid to break out of the system. So authoritarianism is technically different. In 1964, Juan Jose Lind, professor emeritus of sociology and political science at Yale, described the four most recognizable characteristics of authoritarian states as limited political freedom with strict government controls imposed on political institutions and groups like legislatures, political parties, and interest groups, a controlling regime that justifies itself to the people as a necessary evil, uniquely capable of coping with easily recognizable societal problems such as hunger, poverty, and violent insurgency. Sound familiar? Strict government imposed constraints on social freedom such as oppression, suppression of political opponents and anti-regime activity. The presence of a ruling executive with vague, shifting, and loosely defined powers. Modern dictatorships such as Venezuela under Hugo Chavez and Cuba under Fidel Castro typify authoritarian governments. While the People's Republic of China under Chairman Mao Zedong is considered a totalitarian state, modern-day China is more accurately described as an authoritarian state because its citizens are now allowed some limited personal freedoms. Yeah, uh, keyword limited. So, comparing the two, in a totalitarian state, the government's range of control of the people is virtually unlimited. The government controls nearly all aspects of the economy, politics, culture, and society. Education, religion, the arts and sciences, and even morality and reproductive rights are controlled by totalitarian governments. While all power in an authoritarian government is held by a single dictator or group, the people are allowed a limited degree of political freedom. Or I would, I might add, the um, kind of the, the false pretense or the perception of limited freedom, even though behind the scenes there's still, I don't know, maybe election manipulations. You know, um, there's a lot of countries that say, oh, you know, Russia comes to mind. It's a country that, when they have an election, they say it's a free election, but everybody knows that behind the scenes, it's about to count. I mean, guess what? Our own president of the United States, Joe Biden, said this recently. It's about who counts the ballots. So maybe that aspect also plays into it. So now we get to fascism. Rarely employed since the end of World War II in 1945, fascism is a form of government combining the most extreme aspects of both totalitarianism and authoritarianism. Even when compared to extreme nationalistic ideologies like Marxism and anarchism, fascism is typically considered to be at the far right end of the political spectrum. And there's, you know, debate about what actual type of government 
or I'm sorry, economy, maybe that, um, you know, fascist or Nazi Germany actually had, and they call it right wing, but, you know, people have debated that. So, fascism is characterized by the imposition of dictatorial power, government control of industry and commerce, and the forcible suppression of opposition often at the hands of the military or a secret police force. Fascism was first seen in Italy during World War I, later spreading to Germany and other European countries during World War II. So, the reason I say that is government control of industry and commerce, if we go here and you go political compass, One image. If we pull up the classic political compass on Wikipedia here, we see authoritarian. Okay, so this is social. This is a social asset axis. This is typically the economic axis. So if we go back here, government control of industry and commerce, that's left. That's not right. Right? Uh, economic right is laissez-faire economics. It's free markets. So the the distinction, or should I say, the notion that fascism is a right-wing ideology when this definition is government control of industry and commerce, that's not, I, I would say that's more in line with, you know, it, it's more like, um, totalitarianism and socialism is government control of industry and commerce. But anyway, they go into a little bit more of uh, fascism. Its, its foundation is a combination of ultranationalism and extreme devotion to one's nation over all others, along with a wide, a widely held belief among the people that the nation must and will be somehow saved or reborn. Rather than working for concrete solutions to economic, political, and social problems, fascist rulers divert the people's focus while winning public support by elevating the idea of a need for a national rebirth into a virtual religion. To this end, fascists encourage the growth of cult, national unity, and racial purity. So that's a brief overview of these different kinds of controlling um, types of governments. Now, I would hope that everybody listening is is against this. I, I don't see why uh, anybody would want authoritarianism. Authoritarianism is the sneaky one because, I mean, they're all sneaky, but if you think of the current circumstances, okay? If you are a supporter of Joe Biden, I am not, you would say, hey, I want him to no, uh, stop the eviction moratorium, okay? You say, I want him to do this. Well, guess what? He does not have the unilateral power to do this. We have a system. This is America. That's how it works. However, you're like, you know, I, I really need, I need him to do this. I need him to do it now. We can't go through the system. 
We need change. We need action. Okay. Give him the power. Give him the power to do it unilaterally like he did this past week. Well, guess what? Especially in the United States, the next person in line is also going to have that power. Like I was saying in the, in the, before we got into this, governments don't give up the power. So you may think it's a good idea when the person you support is in power to give them more authority. In, a, in the United States, where we have frequent elections and peaceful transitions of power, guess what? The next person you might not agree with, even if he's on your, your political side of the spectrum, you might not agree with him. He's still going to have that power. He's not going to give that up. So, in general, it's a good idea to not give more power to central authority. Give more power to the legislative body. In my opinion, that's how we avoid authoritarianism. Do not give more power to the executive branch. Do not use executive orders. Now on the other side, we go back here. Libertarian. Authoritarian and libertarian. So restriction of freedom, more freedom. Obviously, if you get down here, you can, it's anarchy. Typically. So we get to libertarianism. This is libertarianism.org. Okay, what is it? Libertarians believe that in politics, liberty is the most important value. Almost everyone wants freedom for themselves. Excuse me. But a libertarian also seeks to protect and expand the freedom of others. When people are free, we can create a more ju a just, more prosperous, safer, and better world for everyone. Libertarian. A libertarian is committed to the principle that liberty is the most important political value. Liberty means being free to make your own choices about your own life. That what you do with your body and your property ought to be up to you. Other people must not forcibly interfere with your liberty, and you must not forcibly interfere with theirs. Libertarians envision a pluralist, cosmopolitan society united by commerce and travel, not divided by nationalistic antagonism. They envision a world where people are people are free to experiment with different ways of living, free to try new ideas that might just be crazy enough to work. The world driven by the entrepreneurial spirit that is always asking questions like how could this be better and how can I make or can I make something entirely new? Such a society may have a patchwork messiness about it but it would also be vibrant and humane. There are many other values, there are many values other than liberty that are more than important, and there are many forms of liberty outside of political liberty. People talk about the freedom to be oneself without being ostracized by a narrow-minded society. They talk about the freedom that comes from financial independence, and they talk about freedom from oppression by sources other than the state. Some libertarians see the fight for liberty in politics as part and parcel of a broader struggle. Others take a more limited view and believe that liberty is the most important value in politics is what unites them. So, here we have liberty. It might be different for everyone, but we can all agree that when it comes to government, 
less is better. More government means, you know, more bureaucracy, whatever it is, more power for the executive branch. It just means less liberty. So we look at, see, pop up. Anarchism. So I've been reading about anarchism. I've been reading about capitalism. I've been reading about objectivism. They're all very interesting subjects. I definitely suggest um, Ayn Rand. Um, I'm currently reading Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. It is a somewhat dense, long read. However, I would say it's worth it to understand Ayn Rand's view of what is right. What In her mind, what is right is the capability of a mind, a human mind, to create, to innovate, to push forward. The it, it's a very in my in my view it's a very positive, you know, even progressive view of human nature is that we're made to be positive beings. We're made to be free. The more freedom we have, the more good we can do. Is how I would say it. And there's other aspects of objectivism that, you know, selfishness, you know, maybe um, a little bit more, you know, um, controversial. But in any case, now we'll get to some articles, probably, I think, got into a little bit of the definitions. So PBS, how authoritarianism has spread since the coronavirus pandemic again. Again, I said it's tangentially re related to coronavirus pandemic. According to pro-democracy institutions, authoritarianism was on the rise globally even before the coronavirus pandemic hit. But experts say the distraction of the crisis has allowed some leaders to indulge their dictatorial impulses without attracting much attention from the people they govern. Nick Schifferin reports and talks to the Atlantic's and Applebaum about this dangerous global dynamic. There's an old saying, never let a crisis go to waste. And for some leaders around the world, the pandemic has been the crisis they have been waiting for. Pro-democracy groups say that authoritarianism was already on the rise before COVID-19. And, as Nick Schifferin tells us, the pandemic has accelerated that trend. He says, They marched for democratic values and held signs, free country, free press. But in Hungary, the press is increasingly not free, and democracy is sliding down an authoritarian slope. Last month, the editor of Hungary's most read news site was fired for coverage critical of the government. Nearly all employees of the index news site walked out. Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban has long called index a fake news factory. But COVID became a cover for him to expand attacks and seize more power. And it's happening elsewhere. An open letter from 500 former world leaders and Nobel laureates warned COVID-19 increased global authoritarianism that threatens the future of liberal democracy. Alina says, authoritarian-leaning leaders across the world are using this to push through far, far more aggressive autocratic matters and to repress independent voices in civil society. I don't think they would have been able to do this I don't think they would have been able to do this because there would be much more attention, much more criticism at a time when we weren't going through a global pandemic. Nick says, 
COVID has emboldened would-be dictators. In Russia, during a World War II commemoration parade, police shoved protesters into vans thanks to a new measure against public assembly. Vladimir Putin won a referendum that extends his power until 2036. In Egypt, Dr. Haini Bakr was arrested for a Facebook post criticizing the government for sending medical masks abroad when he didn't have enough in his own practice. Abdel Fattah el-Sisi's government has arrested more than a dozen people for criticizing the official COVID response. In other countries, opportunism. In Poland, President Andrzej Duda pushed through and won a recent election, election despite EU concerns that it wouldn't be safe or fair. Vote was upheld by Duda's Hampton Supreme Court. In Hong Kong, the pro-Beijing Legislative Council cited COVID to postpone a planned September vote that it was expected to lose. Pro-democracy groups say more than 60 elections have been postponed during the during COVID, and more than 40 countries have restricted press freedom. Victor Orban, through translator, we successfully defended our country. Our achievement is comparable to any other country, comparable. And we did that within democratic frameworks. Back to Nick. But many of the new powers don't expire or have anything to do with COVID. In Hungary, Orban withheld COVID relief money from his political opponent's parliament, temporarily gave him the power to rule by decree. He declared victory over the virus. But in this house, there is only loss. Last month, Lilla says Lexic's mother died. So this is a pretty long conversation, but I think definitely giving more, as I said, giving more power to, not even giving, obviously in these countries, they've taken more power, but in the U.S. it is more given. Um, we see from Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty. COVID-19 crackdowns expanded authoritarianism in the post-pandemic world. They say, The approval of COVID-19 vaccines has raised the hopes that the new normal of a post-pandemic world will start to emerge in 2021. But international rights groups say civil society must, must be able to return to its normal pre-pandemic pre, pre world to prevent a permanent expansion of overreaching government power. They argue that civil society must provide checks and balances to ensure the rollback of temporary emergency public health measures imposed and sometimes misused during 2020. I'm going to take a quick water break. Transparency International has long warned about worrying signs that the pandemic will leave in its wake increased authoritarianism and weakened rule of law. Quote, the COVID-19 crisis has offered public and authoritarian leaders a dangerous combination of public distraction and reduced oversight. The global anti-corruption group says, corruption thrives when democratic institutions such as a free press and an independent judiciary are undermined. When citizens write to protest, join associations, or engage in initiatives to monitor government spending is limited, according to Transparency International. They say that authoritarianism in theory, as well as authoritarian regimes in practice, were already gaining ground before the pandemic. 
Hamid says some aspects of the post-pandemic era, such as COVID-19 tracing schemes and increased surveillance, can create authoritarian temptations for those in charge of governments. During and after the pandemic, governments are likely to use long, protracted crises to undermine domestic opposition and curtail civil liberties. Civil liberties, Hamid concludes, concludes in a Brookings report called "Reopening the World." But despite those dangers, Hamid remains cautiously optimistic about political freedoms recovering in a post-pandemic world. In due time, he says, the removal of emergency restrictions will help political parties, protesters, protesters, and grassroots movements to communicate their platforms and grievances to larger audiences. Democratic governments may try to suppress information and spin or downplay crises as well, as the Trump administration did, but they rarely get away with it. If anything, the intent to suppress on the part of the government can provoke an unusually intense desire to expose its mistakes on the part of the press, the legislative branch, civil society. In countries from Russia to Tur Turkmenistan, authoritarian tendencies under the guise of pandemic control have included the use of emergency health measures to crack down on political opposition figures and to limit the freedom of the press. They also have included attempts by author authorities to restrict the ability of civic organizations to scrutinize and constrain the expansion of executive power. So they go on to talk about Baku, Belarusia, Belarus, excuse me, Russia. They're all expanding their powers. Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, all these other countries, Turkmenistan, and so on. We have another article from AmericanProgress.org. Authoritarian regimes seek to take advantage of the coronavirus pandemic. The COVID-19 pandemic is accelerating efforts among authoritarian governments as regimes tighten their grip at home while seizing the opportunity to advance their agenda abroad. Over the past several years, autocratic governments have become increasingly assertive in nature. An illiberal and undemocratic model of governing, championed primarily by Russia and China, has appeared to gain currency, particularly as the United States and other democracies turn inward to deal with domestic challenges. As former NATO Secretary General Anders Rasmussen testified before the U.S. House of Representatives in February 2019, tyranny is once again awakening from slumber. The assertiveness does not stop at national borders. Just last year, the U.S. intelligence community warned that Russia and China seek to shape the international system regional security dynamic and influence. Consolidating power at home. Autocratic regimes, while seeming strong from the outside, often tend to be brittle. Their leaders constantly worry about regime stability A crisis such as the COVID-19 pandemic creates an opportunity for such leaders to consolidate power, stretching their grip on the country. So again, they talk about Philippines, Hungary, all these dictators. Um, you know, we, the, the primary goal of this episode, um, I would say is just to, it's to raise awareness that unless you, the common citizens, I'm a common citizen, you watching this are like a common citizen or listening to it, unless we speak up, unless we take action and say, you can't control our lives. 
this is not going to stop. Um, at, at this point, especially in the pandemic, vaccines are available. If you don't want to get one, then that's your choice. Again, go back to libertarianism. You get to choose. You get to choose what you do with your life. You get to choose how you live. And you don't impose on anybody else because they have the same rights as you. They have the same right to have gotten a vaccine at this point. Um, and if that, I don't, I mean, I really, I just don't know what to say to somebody who, who wants authoritarianism. Again, people are just, they're arrogant, they're narcissistic. Those types of people are the people who, you know, rise to, they, they seek power. You should want somebody in power who doesn't seek power. That's why people, we should just vote in, like, Joe Schmo for president. He doesn't want power. He's just going to be like, like, I don't know. We should not. People who seek power are more likely to abuse it. Not saying it's guaranteed, but you get a narcissist. I mean, Donald Trump was a narcissist. However, he, I, I guess, according to this definition of fascism, there were some tendencies of Donald Trump to tend towards fascism, but he was nowhere near what, um, you know, by, it, it, he still obeyed the Constitution. He still went through Congress. You know, everybody has done their, all these presidents have done their executive orders, but the fact that Biden just signed the eviction moratorium and he said, oh, I don't know if it's legal. It's probably not. He did it anyway. Because people were shouting, do something, do something, you need to do something. Well, I don't have the ability to. You still need to do something. It's the mob. The mob was yelling, do something, do something. He's like, I don't know if I can do this, but we're going to do it anyway, and we're going to get this done because it has to be done. And you give you give uh, someone like that an inch, and he's going to take a mile, and he's going to take the whole country eventually. So... Again, just awareness for authoritarianism. We want to be, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it does, but, you know, there, there's a hierarchy of issues when it comes to governments and politics. And there's a lot of, you know, the, the main one is, are you free? So whether you're on the, I, I think, Liberty is a better, to say, higher priority issue when you're discussing politics than, say, economics. We can disagree on economics. We can, if, if you are free, if you are libertarian, if you are down here, then... As long as you are not forcing me... See, this is what I don't understand about the, the libertarian left, which is contradictory because socialism is... We're going to make you work. And that's not liberty. So I tend to fall more down here. Because political, social, as well as economic freedom, 
economic freedom is typically over here. Um, those are all those are all liberties. We need all of those. So I think there was go back here some I'm sure this isn't oh so they put Trump all the way up here and they put I'm sorry where's Bernie in 2020 there okay excuse me Idaho State University um, not sure why they, they put everybody like authoritarian, but, you know, I mean, obviously Biden, Biden's not, I don't think Trump was that authoritarian. You can argue all of this. I mean, these people aren't centrist. These people aren't centrist. So, if, again, if you want to take the political compass, a lot of people say it doesn't mean anything, actually, but if you look over here, I mean, you can, you can put them wherever you want. Like, Marx, okay, there's a lot of problems with these when we're looking at these, but in general, I don't think Marxism is down here. So, so Marxism is down here, even though Stalin is... You know, up here, and he was a Marxist. And anyway, we can get into that. Average Demo Avengers Democrats, Lincoln, Lincoln Project stands, corporate stinks, sips, brunch liberals, good old political compasses. Anyway, I hope this podcast and this video has brought some clarity to authoritarianism and just highlighted the fact that. Everybody needs to be vigilant. Liberty is, is always one generation away from extinction. So if this generation does not uphold the traditional liberal values valued in the United States, your kids may not have it. And certainly their kids and their kids may not have it. So we always must protect liberty. We always must stand up to authoritarian governments, even if we are on the, you know, say I'm economic right. I'm still going to oppose someone like Pinochet because he's authoritarian. He might be a free market capitalist, but he's authoritarian. So he's not going to let me, you know, uh, criticize him. He can't criticize the government. So if you, if you can ever be arrested for criticizing government, I think that's a good indication that it's gone too far but oftentimes again if it goes too far it's often too late so i hope you enjoyed um next week we'll be back with another episode and i will decide on the topic let you know on my twitter in the meantime follow zoomer hq on twitter follow zoomer hq on youtube follow my other channel titanium or er, Tetra Titan, sorry, recently rebranded. So Tetra Titan is my gaming channel. It's much more relaxed. It's much, uh, almost zero politics. Although it depends, whatever you want to talk about. So come and hang out in that. That's at Tetra Titan. 
on Twitch and, or I'm sorry, on Twitter and YouTube, and at TetraTitan1 on Twitch now. So, thank you for watching slash listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, and hope you have a good rest of